Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by Tell Me Studios for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm Fraser McGrewer and I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the rationale behind currency denominations. So Nick, can you lead us in and tell us about uh, your recent visit to Ireland? So I was in Ireland for a conference that was hosted by the firm uh, Ronan Daily German. And um, uh, that's uh, it was a very interesting conference. But actually, one of the things that I found most interesting about going to Ireland uh, was that I noticed uh, the way that people use uh, banknotes is, is very different to in the UK. Um, we I, I got a bunch of, I mean, I've been to the Eurozone before and just just to explain to foreign listeners, Ireland is in the Eurozone, so it uses Euros as its currency, whereas the UK, of course, isn't, so we have uh, pounds here. Um, I, I got money out in uh, Dublin, and, and it included some 50 Euro notes. And I was initially a bit um, annoyed about this. I thought, well, n- who's going to take those? They're too big. Uh, but I discovered that actually people use uh, 50 euro notes all the time. Um, you know, they'll, they'll happily pay for a newspaper with a 50 euro note. And, you know, shopkeepers won't complain. They'll just hand over the change. And this is in marked contrast to the UK, where um, we hardly ever use 50 pound notes. You don't get them out of, out of bank machines uh shopkeepers hate them um you know you'd certainly would never pay for a newspaper with a with a 50 pound note um i mean i i very very rarely only a few times in my life have i ever actually had a 50 pound note and it's typically if you're drawing money out from the bank or in my case when i when i came second in a poker tournament and got 700 pounds in cash and the question is why right i mean 50 pounds isn't that different to 50 euros especially not these days so why why is is there some good reason for this or or is it just a kind of weird convention that we've we've got to so um and of course you forgot when you when you've done major drug deals that's when you've probably seen them oh yeah yeah definitely um in suitcases yeah so um also the question is why is this case you've asked the question um well let's set our brains to the task um peter go for it well i suspect it's probably a deliberate policy in uk to not have in in circulation large number of notes um, as, and possibly also a sort of cultural thing with the association of large notes and nefarious activities. But I think mainly it's, it's we just don't have many in circulation. Uh, the, the Bank of England website has got figures on this, but the the uh, because the the large la, the, the reason why it's not is not good is that large notes facilitate large cash transactions, which facilitate things like fraud tax evasion and various things that the government doesn't want to happen this so, is what you've seen on the bank of england website yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. so this is so one thing one thing you can do to prevent to make it harder for criminals to do this is get rid of cash have less cash in circulation of smaller denominations if 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 the only cash you could get was one penny pieces yeah. you wouldn't get large suitcase you wouldn't get suitcases full of large amounts of money you could probably get a few hundred quid in their tops and it would be incredibly heavy so that answers if we accept that and that sounds perfectly reasonable that accepts why it's not the case in the uk so that leads to the question is is there a comparison of circulation uh, let's say per capita of similar domination denomination notes 
first of all, in the Eurozone, but also, second, is Ireland unusual compared to other Eurozone countries? Because I haven't noticed a massive amount of 50 euro notes in, in the rest of the Eurozone. Is it just the Irish are like this? So I, th- I don't know if these are the correct questions, but those are the two questions I'd like well, to ask. Well, this is where it got interesting. When I started digging into the figures, if you compare the figures between the Eurozone and the UK for cash in circulation, in the UK there's approximately £68 billion pounds in circulation mm. in cash in various forms which works out at about £1,000 per person mm. um, in the Eurozone there's a pr- short of a trillion uh, euros in circulation okay. which actually works out at around 3,000 uh, 3, euros per person in circulation so there's, a three, there's three times as much cash per person knocking around in Europe than there is in the UK which might explain the, the, so, the Euro- so Europe appears to be a sort of cash-heavy economy compared to compared to ours, three times mm. as much. So that might explain this 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 um, uh, affinity or this, being used to handling more notes and bigger notes than we are in the UK. Mm. Okay, uh, and, and that, just, so so just to be clear, um, because we're talking about availability of cash, that doesn't necessarily translate to, or does it? the amount of money around does it no because there, there's a, it's that's also to do with the velocity of right, the cash as well exactly. so, it's about, so i i and i and i mean ultimately um yeah it's how, it's how much people are spending per day each i mean in the uk I, I found a figure that about half a billion pounds is taken out every day from cash machines which works out actually at pretty much 10 10 quid each uh more or less which which kind of makes Sounds sense right, yeah. feels feels right to me um the and there's lots. I mean, once you start delving into this issue of cash, before we even get onto the issue of what's the optimal denomination, um, you, you find that there's actually all sorts of interesting uh, things that you don't normally think about. So, for example, uh, the difference, there's a really big difference between the way that notes work and the way that coins work um, in, in that people get co- notes out of cash machines. So notes that go straight from banks into uh consumers hmm. then then they go shop to shops so people go and spend those notes in shops and generally what people end up with is coins so you might now uh, yeah that all seems very familiar to us but you might ask where do the shops get the coins from it's not something i think most people think about there's a whole industry do called, they get it from the banks yeah there's a whole industry called cash in transit which serves the retail industry right. and um there are a few very big operators who i had not heard of a company called loomis for example and, and brinks mm-hmm. uh and i'd only heard of brinks because of the brinks mat robbery in 1983 um these these companies uh, uh, you know have performed this really vital function um of of giving change to shops uh so so that they can then you know break down uh, break down money for consumers um, just and and I think actually I, this made me remember that when I was working in the civil contingency secretariat, which was uh, over a decade ago, um, one of the scenarios that people were looking at were what if there was a strike uh, by the by the change uh, companies. Um, actually, it would be pretty um, pretty disastrous. You know, pretty soon it would be impossible to spend money uh, well, because the, there well, wouldn't be. Well, these days change. everyone just start using Apple. Right, and this was before yeah. chip and pin and and all of that sort of thing. Um, but but it uh, you know it's 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 a hidden part of the cash economy that we don't that we don't think about. It sounds also. I mean, uh, I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but it, I would have thought it must be a shrinking business though, um, and it must be quite a costly way of of. It must be, it's quite a heavy cost. I presume it must be shops and ultimately the consumer who bears the burden of that. Well, yeah, I mean, the question is then where does the change go? Who takes change to the bank? The answer seems to be 
quite a lot of people, which really surprised me. Oh. Um, yeah, so change does make its way back to banks by and large. So people go in with rolls of, you know, bags of twenty of two Ps and so on and, and you know, get, give them to the bank. And, of course, then they find their way back to shops. So coins tend to go in a different direction to notes. Um but the the I mean personally I'm a I, I like to really confuse shopkeepers by giving um, change out. That means I'll get less change back. So you know if something costs fifty three p, I'll I'll you know I'll happily give them sort of you know one pound three p yeah uh, to get a fifty p back. Um, I thought and, everyone did that. Uh, well, yes, I mean, I think, but I think if there are people go, going to, I mean, I, I end up almost um, breaking even on change. I have a pocket full of change and it doesn't get much bigger or smaller. Yeah. Um, and if I, you know, if I can do something really, if something comes to, you know, f- £5.87 and I happen to have £10.87 in change, oh, it's a brilliant feeling. Um, <laughs> so well, I've got a different uh, life appro- is sweet. I have a different approach. I, I empty, every day I empty my pocket of change when I, when I go to bed or change trousers and I take the anything smaller than 20p goes into a large pot and when that pot gets full it's worth approximately 40 quid and that buys me a meal out after taking it to Asda and putting it through a coin counter right so so that that and coin these coin machines obviously are another route that coins take back into the uh, back into the, the the retail world there are many things you could have said to shock me, Peter, um, but that is not one of them. Yeah. Um, well, I did this deliberately because I was finding that carrying lots of chains around in the pocket was just putting holes in my trouser, trouser pockets. Well, you remind me of that. There annoying. was that lone MP for 20 years that, um, and you know how MPs often have their own one issue that they have and they're always raising private member bills and so on. And there was that one MP who for decades, it was about abolishing the 50p for precisely that reason. It was making holes in his pocket. Uh, all I know... Is if that because it's pointy or because it's heavy? Um, I it's both, heavy. I would have thought. I don't... I actually... I, I'm quite... This, this issue about... Um, Again, we still haven't quite got onto this yeah, we've optimal got, denomination yeah. thing. But but this, I was quite interested in this issue of um, uh, sort of how much value you can carry in coins compared to notes. And um, I sort of naively assumed that carrying, let's say, a pound round, a pound of value. So what I, what I mean is, you know, uh, the stuff that you can buy with a pound, you know, well, let's say five pounds. The stuff you can buy five pounds worth of coins. Mm. I, I kind of assume that would be bigger than ever. So, so in other words, I've sort of assumed that coins have shrunk significantly, mm. you know, so, to, to keep pace with inflation. But actually, um, coins have not shrunk anywhere near as, as fast as inflation has, re- has sort of um, uh, eroded their value. So you mean the physical size of a the coin? The physical. So, uh, yeah. So I, did, I had, a, had a look at... Um, uh, a look at some sort of historical money, and to carry five pounds worth of, of to so to carry five pounds in 2016 in coins mm. um, is about 34 grams, mm-hmm. which is which is two two pound coins and a one pound coin. Um, before 1983, when the one pound coin came out, you had an old 50p, um, which was the biggest coin you could get, and that was quite weighty. That was uh, that was um, about 13 grams. Uh, but of course, um, uh, you know, actually, um, you, it was only about one pound five pounds today is only the equivalent of about one pound fifty. So, so it would have cost forty grams, which is actually just to slightly contradict what I said, slightly heavier um, than five pounds today. But when you look, again, you go back far enough. You go back to uh, seventeen fifty. Um, the the equivalent of uh, five pounds today in seventeen fifty was about uh, about about a sixpence so half a shilling the, the equivalent of about um uh you know about two and a half p 
um, which only weighed three grams. Right, it was ten times less than five pounds. So, in other words, the the amount of weight I'd have to carry to buy what we think of as five quid's worth of stuff today um, would would only would only would only weigh three grams. I mean, which means that you could lose. It would be very easy to lose five pounds worth of value in seventeen fifty. Yeah, I don't know what my think. I think to that. I don't know. What well, to basically, say to that, that coins are getting heavier and heavier. You yeah, know, you need to get... carry more weight with you to buy the same amount of stuff. Um, which you know is odd. I would have actually expected it to be the I mean, other way around. I mean, yes, yeah. except. Oh, I mean, the only other thing to say. I was just thinking your example pre nineteen eighty two or three, whenever is is, and of course you could do the same, almost the same today. Is that you wanted to? Have, let's say you had four pounds. Is you would you could just had four pound notes back Indeed. then. Right? Indeed, right. But let's not go down that avenue. So I think Presum- the main presumably there's a sort of um, point at which you can't reduce the coin any further because the part of the Part of the coin, uh, part of the, the 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 thing that proves that it's a real coin is its weight. And if you go too small, then the error in weighing that becomes too too great, and you can't therefore verify coins as easily. Yeah, I mean, but wouldn't you intuit? Yeah, I, I'm sure that's uh, that's that's a sort of fundamental limit. But wouldn't wouldn't you expect over time for notes to become more prevalent? You know that actually more current more more denominations would be swept up in notes rather than turned into coins, um, but well, actually look, it's the other way around. Or, or, you, know? or you make well, we well you make more coins of higher value, like the two pound coin yeah. that came out relatively recently, um, was in reaction to this. So you you want as your currency is devalued, you need you need something that's a and then eventually value. the what the coins coins at the very bottom get get removed. Get removed. You know, presumably like we, we just scale up to the, to five p's. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be nice to pay some to pay for something with a half penny these days, wouldn't it? That'd be good. Don't say no. Um, so look, well, you should have. You didn't call it a halfpenny. You should call it everyone. <laughs> every Englishman knows you call it a halfpenny. Uh, well, look. Let's. This leads us on to. And actually, I do remember um, having shilling coins. I remember having. Um, was it called a shilling? Yes, it was. Yeah, I remember when it was a five p. When I was when I was about eight years old. So I'm just sure to, to explain to foreign listeners, um, it, but prior to nineteen seventy, the UK had a reasonably had a nice quirky currency system with subunits, which is something which is almost unheard of today. We had pounds that were di- well, and the pounds are the same. So the pounds didn't change. Pounds stayed a pound, um, but they used to be divided into twenty shillings, and each shilling was divided into twelve pence. So you had uh, two hundred and forty pence in a pound. And then in um, in nineteen seventy we got rid of that uh, and and just had a hundred new pence. Um, so yes, the the and the the beauty of that mathematically is that the old shilling, which was one twentieth of a pound, then became exactly the same value as five p. So so we kept the the old shillings and the florins, which were two two shillings, and they were lovely coins, Beautiful weren't coins. they? Really Beautiful nice coins, coins. and nice and heavy. Yeah. Um, had a beautiful kind of rose design on it if i recall yeah um well look this leads us on nicely i i feel there's one question i still want to pick up later which is about ireland and and whether it's different from the rest of the eurozone in using 50 euro notes all the time but um this leads us nicely on to um uh, what ought uh, currency divisions be because we've just yeah we're already sort of leading into that so um, what is the answer? I mean, how, how do we how do we how do we hit? Well, upon Pete, these Peter's the engineer, so I'm kind of looking at him here. Well, aside aside from the very sort of technical question of what, what what values do you need to be able to easily add up, it makes sense to have tens, fives, twos, and ones, as we have with coins and notes, mm-hmm. uh, because you can quickly make any number with those, because you can you have the sort of odd number modifier of yeah. one, and you can then make anything in between or above. So it's it's it's. Uh, but the the what what breakdown do you want? I think it really is a policy decision. It's how much do you want uh, 
how much cash do you want in, in, in your economy to facilitate quick transactions, bearing in mind that there's going to be an economic cost to the economy in fraudulent activity and tax evasion. So it's really it's 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 a, it's a collective choice on 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 behalf of the policymakers and and their citizens they represent to decide what it is what 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 sort of size notes they want to have. Um, but it's but I think also there's key features about how how much do things cost. I mean that's a, you know if most transactions apparently um, apparently a quarter of all payments in the UK are for one pound or less and and over half of them are for five pounds or less. So there's no point in getting worked up about having you know five pound coins and 20 pound coins and 50 pound coins and 100 pound coins and you know they're just never going to get used and likewise you know that when you're in that order of magnitude you don't you, you're not going to need things that are huge subdivisions you know tiny little subdivisions of those so it has to be presumably optimizing this uh will involve consideration of you know the empir- how empirically what kinds of amounts of money people are spending Okay, so look, I think this is actually unusually for us. That's a fairly simple answer, to, a question to answer, right? No, is, no, 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 because, because actually, this question of what, how you ought to break, so it, ultimately, it comes down to saying, what's the what's the best way of breaking down an amount of money so that it will be the fewest number of coins needed? Now, now you could say, well, let, well let's just have a coin for every single denomination, right? Let's have a forty-eight p coin. There's a brilliant paper actually I read. Um, brilliant mainly because of its name uh, by Jeffrey Shalit called what this country needs is an 18 cent piece referring to Canada and in which he does some analysis pretty much looking at you know uh, actually what what sorts of denominations you ought to have mathematically but interestingly is what's called an NP hard problem it's it's an example of something called a knapsack problem which is uh, where you're trying to sort of fit chunky things into a given size so you've got you know chunks what are the best chunks to have to make that an, as efficient a process as possible and what that means is there isn't there's only algorithms there's not some perfect solution which we can which we can generate it will depend on the specifics you know of how much you're you know trying to pay and okay fine so this then leads us back to the question then is is why are the irish using 50 euro notes all the time i recognize that we've looked at you know the amount of money in circulation compared to um, the amount of cash in circulation compared to as measured by population but given what we've just said about how we divide up um currency why are why in the eurozone or why in ireland are they using 50 euro notes all the time I don't think anything we've said has given us any insight into that. <laughs> no, no. But I, in good journalistic fashion, I did some research, which is that I asked my cab driver last night, what, what, did, what, tell me about 50, your interaction with £50 notes. And he said um, he does get them. He, he mainly gets them from the West End, he says, uh, you know, which is where quite a lot of rich people live in London. Uh, he gets, you know, people, people paying in, in 50s. He said, uh, you know, he... he generally takes them straight to the bank but will sometimes spend them on say filling up his petrol tank or something um he said he'd, he'd been given a fake one once and but never again and i said i was amazed that people would would counterfeit 50 pound notes because no one trusts them anyway i don't know why you'd why you'd do it um but but i i, I would i would veer towards the the cultural explanation you know it's almost we've we've found this equilibrium where no one spends 50 pound notes and the fact that someone is trying to spend a 50 pound note is suspicious because of that and as a result no one spends 50 pound notes whereas so that's not the case in ireland and so is it the case therefore that you've got italians and french and um germans going to ireland going 
yeah, this is totally normal. Everyone's, you know, here's my 50 euro notes. Or do you have Italians, Germans going to Ireland going, hey, what's what's all these 50 euro notes? I've never seen one before. Well, I, I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me sort of suggests that maybe uh, your the bank machine detects that it's a foreign credit card or bank card and gives you loads of 50 euros. So to mark you out as a tourist, somebody who's easily ripped off who doesn't know the language. <laughs> but presumably it wasn't just yourself. who was, Were you seeing 50 euro notes sort of flying around all over the place? It wasn't just yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the lady in front of me in the queue paid with a 50 pound note, which, you know, emboldened me further. Okay. Um, well, two years ago, a 50 euro note was only worth about 30 quid. So it's not that different from a twenty, is it? Sure. Yeah, but but the the, the scale of different. I mean, it cannot be understated. People who've never been to the UK who are listening, it cannot be understated how different these things are. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they nobody look so different. nobody uses fifty pound notes. Yeah. Nobody. Everyone uses twenty pound notes all the time. You know that scale of difference is not a sort of quantitative one. Interestingly, there is actually in the US there's a, there's a two dollar bill. Even millions of Americans don't know this, right? I don't um, know. That, no, no. Uh, yeah. there's even a, there's there's even a song um, saying I which goes I lost all my money but a two dollar bill and now I'm on the long journey home. Um, and I think a lot of people hear that and assume that he's he means he's got no money because there's no such thing. But there is, and I got given one when I was in um, San Francisco a couple of years ago. Uh, definitely because I was a tourist, uh, because because no one spends two dollar bills in the US because people don't believe in them. Um, the other thing, say extraordinary. About the, the other thing, to say about the fifty pound note is bright red as well, pretty much. So uh, it's almost like an alarm going, "Here's a fifty pound note." So you really mm. do see it. Listen, it's, I, it's not the biggest note though in in UK. Uh, there, there is a there's a note called the Giant, which is a one million pound note, and there's a hundred million no, pound not. note called the Titan, which are only used for sort of interbank transfers um uh they're they're a bit like a sort of barra bond kind of thing but it's it is a banknote um so yeah they they, but they yeah you you could go and buy one but you'd have to explain what you're going to use it for okay yeah you probably wouldn't buy one to get a newspaper um, okay. I, I sorry. I know. I knew, I told you this was gonna gonna be an interesting one. I found. Can I just Go mention a few interesting? This is turning into a bit like QI, but uh, mm. I've had some very interesting uh, currency facts. Uh, that apparently there are still there are only only two currencies, um, national currencies, which which have subunits anymore. So that's the sort of equivalent of pounds, shillings, and pence. And they are the the Malagasy uh, Ariari, which is uh, as we all know equal to five Irambilankas, and and Mauritanian uh, Ugias, which are equal to five Coombs. Um, but my my fa- my favourite one of all is the that did you know that the sovereign military order of Malta. <laughs> which is a continuation of the Knights Hospitaller from Templar days, has its own official currency. And um, uh, it's called the Scudo, which is subdivided into 12 Tari, each of 20 Grani, with six Picioli to the Grano. Uh, and apparently this currency is pegged to the euro. Um, so I, I, th- I thought that was a really interesting currency fact. Um, Harry Potter, we haven't mentioned Harry Potter, has has utterly ridiculous um, current set of currency denominations in which you have 17 sickles to a galleon and 29 nuts in a sickle. Now you tell me, what if something was, you know, that's ridiculous. If something costs 28, 27 nuts, your only option is to give them 27 coins. Uh, I mean, this is a good example of, um, you know, J.K. Rowling didn't really think this through. I think. <laughs> I think you need to write her an angry letter. I, I think it's worth. I think it's worth mentioning what the future of cash, though. I think it's worth. Uh, it's an interesting. I think it's topic. worth mentioning it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there there are, there are uh, countries around the world who are 
deliberately have a policy of eliminating any cash from uh, their economies uh, and using um, technologies like Apple Pay, Android Pay, uh, credit cards and things instead. And Sweden, who ironically were the first country to issue banknotes in 1661, uh, intends to be the first to go cashless. And they have a, they are, they're they're explore, exploring this in the next couple of decades. And um, interestingly, India as well. There's a big push in the Indian government to go cashless, um, uh, which for for a developing economy is quite quite an interesting in, endeavor. Um, and and the technology, you know, blockchain. We've got to put it in there because yeah, we, we we've, we've got through nearly a whole podcast talking about money and haven't mentioned it until so, now. So yeah, technology like blockchain and things could you know, take we take this take this approach further could facilitate. Sort of, um, uh, hyper barter-like economies, where rather than uh, and eliminate cash entirely. So rather than saying, right, I'm going to um, do ten pounds worth of work for you, Fraser, and then you can use that ten pounds to get ten pounds worth of value from Nick, I I can say, well, I'm going to do an amount of work that you agree is worth something of Nick's time. Yeah, 150 and, bananas, or and something. and then it works out that you, you you're a third, you're a sort of uh, you're an intermediate, and actually Nick owes me the value directly. This this is definitely this is a whole new podcast. I think I think we should we should do one on blockchain and yeah. Okay, let, well let, let's remember that. Um, look, let's round it up there. The only thing I just want to sort of tell you a quick story that um, that used to really annoy me when I lived in Brazil. Um, so this is back in the day when I used to smoke, and let's say I had a five real note. I, it just used to annoy me because without fail, I'd go to a gas station and say, you know, I'd like to buy some cigarettes, knowing that the cigarettes cost about four pounds twenty-five, uh, four reals twenty-five, and they would always look at my note, my five year, my five real note, and go, "Well, sorry, we can't. There's nothing we can do with that." <laughs> and, it's, and I would be, "Are you are you crazy? What? Look, what? what well, that's because you're a foreigner, and they know you're desperate for a fact, <laughs> so they're going to make you round it up." Yeah. And it, that happens. I mean, there are the, the coffee shops in the UK. Often the change just goes into into the charity box uh, by consent, or in 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 uh, the US, where the one cent is really not worth very much. I they round they up give, the they two give you or sweets, the five. Don't they sometimes? Yeah, 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 yeah. They do that a lot in Brazil. Actually, give you sweets, and that really annoys me as well. And that just leads me to one other thing, which is if ever I'm in a pub or a bar where they hand you your change on a little platter, then I'm right off out of there. That annoys me as well. Um, because they said because the, the implication is that hey, you're just leaving that as a tip, right? No, I'm not. Well, actually, that comes from a very old uh, scam, which is the the wet hands scam, uh, which is that bar, bar staff, uh, if they give you um, your change and they've got wet hands, which is quite easy to do if you're working behind a bar, you don't tend to check your change. So, so I think putting it on a tray is actually a reaction no, to it's not. Well, I, mean, I, 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 I take your point. I think it's also that you know, in in Europe, uh, in in France, Germany, Italy, Italy, and Spain, you don't. It, it's not customary to touch people you don't know. So, um, you, you the tray, the change goes onto a tray for you to check. But also to take for yourself, so you pick up yourself. You don't you don't hand people a change and therefore risk the risk touching each other. See, this leads. So now I know where I've been going wrong in these countries when I've been touching people. They've been, yeah. Um, okay, let's wind it up there. Um, thank you very much, chaps. Thank you as always. Um, yeah, I feel I've learned a lot, and that we've we've moved forward the discussion, the debate on and research on currency denominations. I feel, I feel we may have moved it backwards, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've gone back to pre-decimal um, times. Um, okay, so thank you, chaps, and uh, thank you as always to listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer. We've been here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Thank you, 
As always for listening and until next time, bye-bye.